Welcome back to the Field Goals Podcast Game Day Edition. Everyone, I am your host, Dan Viennes. How was that? <laughs> Not what we're used to seeing as Seahawks fans, is it? Uh, that was a that was a wild one. I, I know I referred to the week one win over the Broncos as fun, uh, but that was mostly in relation to the storylines and the atmosphere in the stadium and all of that. This game was just fun, wasn't it? Maybe not for all of you, <laughs> those of you who have uh, very, very sensitive dispositions when it comes to the Seahawks. Um, that was a heck of an entertaining game. The Seahawks beat the Lions 48-45. to You heard that correctly. The Seattle Seahawks and Geno Smith beat the Detroit Lions 48-45. to The Seahawks scored 48 points today. It was a lot of fun. We're going to get into uh, some of the details. Just a, a lot of individual accolades uh, to go around. And then, of course, we're going to talk about the other side of the ball. Because when you score 48 and you win by three, there's some issues on defense. And certainly, uh, we're going to get into that a little bit. I've got some sound from uh, post-game press conferences. We're going to hear from some cool stuff from Quandre Diggs in a minute. Uh, but first, uh, let's hear from Coach Pete Carroll. These are his overall thoughts, his reaction to uh, what he saw from the offense uh, today in that uh, the big win. Well, this was a much-needed much win for us. Um, really excited about the way we played on the road again uh getting out here and doing it um right from the beginning we were going and uh this was the day that, that the offense was such a highlight in, in the day and, and uh they scored the first four times we had the ball uh, we were executing we were knocking out third downs we were we wound up running the football really well today for the really for the first time it really felt like we had we had it rolling um yeah, they had it rolling, and it came from everywhere. Um, look, I'm not going to talk about play calling and Shane Waldron today, but that's that's a discussion that we're going to have in depth on a midweek show coming up in the next couple of weeks because we're seeing some really cool things out of this offense, and particularly from the quarterback. Geno Smith, once again, we're four games into this now, and he has another outstanding game against arguably. Now, let's consider the competition for sure. Detroit Lions might be the worst defense in the league. They were in the bottom two or three in every category going into this one uh, against the run, against the pass overall. Uh, just really lacking some stars there on that side of the ball um, outside of Aiden Hutchinson, the number two pick in the draft this year. He really didn't make an impact on this game, by the way. Uh, we'll talk about the offensive line. But Geno Smith, 23 out of 30, efficient as all heck again. For 320 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Also added 49 yards rushing on the ground. Picked up a couple of key first downs and a touchdown on a designed quarterback draw, which is cool to watch. <laughs> Can't talk about Geno Smith without talking about Russell Wilson, can we? And in all of his time here, for all of Russell's talents, uh, mobility-wise, um, Seahawks really didn't call a lot of designed runs outside of uh, the zone read uh, outside of RPOs and things like that, but nothing like this. Cool to see, but it wasn't just Gino today. Rashad Penny finally got going. That running game got going. 17 carries, 151 yards, two touchdowns. We saw it all from Rashad Penny. This was the Rashad Penny we saw at the end of last year, the last five games. When right there with Jonathan Taylor for best back in the league, those last five games, we saw power, we saw vision, we saw patience, we saw quickness, we saw speed. 
outstanding game. Really a, a good bounce back game for that running game. DK Metcalf, seven catches, 149 yards. Didn't get in the end zone, almost did. Came oh so close. Can't forget Tyler Lockett. Six catches, 91 yards, some key pickups. And again, the tight ends really involved in this one. Big third down at one point by Colby Parkinson. They're really finding a way to get all three of these guys involved in the offense. Will Disley and Noah Fant, both with touchdowns in this game. Here's a crazy stat. Uh, How many times do you think the Seahawks, in their history, have been so good on offense that they have punted zero times? Uh, Until today, it had happened zero times. Michael Dixon was not needed today. (laughs) He did not see the field today as a punter. Zero punts for the first time in team history. Um, just again, just an absolutely outstanding game. And, uh, let's get Pete Carroll's thoughts on Geno Smith. First of all, let me just say this again. And if Geno keeps playing this way, I'm going to have to keep saying this, but I was wrong. I was dead wrong. I was frustrated by how inauspicious Geno's preseason was. I thought Drew looked like the more dynamic player. I love the arm talent. And seeing as how this was a rebuilding year, I just didn't like the idea of handing the reins over to a 32-year-old journeyman, longtime backup. I was wrong. And now we're seeing all the things that Pete Carroll has said. Sometimes he says things to us, and it doesn't really come to fruition, right? He just blows smoke. But he told us this whole time that the decision-making process on who was going to be the starting quarterback wasn't just about what happened in the preseason games. It was everything else that happened in practice and in the meetings and in the prep and in the command of the offense. And uh, we're seeing it come to fruition on the football field. Geno Smith is becoming a guy that's easy to root for. Here's Pete Carroll on Geno Smith. I'm just I'm thrilled for him and for for our guys that, that you know he's had this kind of early success to, to jumpstart this season and and show us that we you know that we can play really good football with him at, at the helm you know and, and uh, um, he's just been so rock steady on uh, throughout this 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 whole process um, and then he's playing and doing it taking on the road that the, there is a moment in this game when uh, the crowd was as loud as it could have possibly been for that day, and he had to he had to do something at the line of scrimmage, and he got it done. Everybody executed, and we, we really cashed in in a huge way. There's a few of those in the day, but that there was one moment in there that we, he, you know, he's totally in command of the whole thing, and he had to, you know, communicate to everybody, and everybody ran the play right, and we, we really took advantage of that op. So, I mean, there's just we could talk about a lot of stuff that he pulled off today. That was really really good. Said it before, I'll say it again. Uh, can't talk about Gina without talking about Russell Wilson. And um, part of this is analysis and part of this is me being a fan too. And as great as Russell Wilson was for this franchise, um, you know, I'm on record as saying I, I, I was, it was time for a change. I was tired of his performance on the field. I thought that was, um, I thought we were getting a deteriorating player, but also just the other stuff. And I didn't pull any sound from Gino today, but do yourself a favor. Go to the Seahawks YouTube page and look at his post-game press conference. It was so refreshing just to hear him, just the way he broke things down and talked about the game. It sounded spontaneous. It was informative. It was specific to the game. It wasn't pre-rehearsed 
cliche Crash Davis fed lines, right? This guy waited eight years for another opportunity. Look, he was supposed to be the savior of the New York Jets. High second round pick, outstanding college career at West Virginia, prolific passer. Um, didn't work out for him in New York. Don't. It wouldn't have worked out for a lot of people in New York. There was a disaster of a situation at the time. We've seen so many times, we've seen young quarterbacks get drafted into bad situations and it damages them and they never recover. And that's what could end up being such an amazing piece of the Geno Smith story is maybe he's the exception to the rule. Usually once those guys get broken, they don't get fixed. They can kick around the league for seven or eight years and make a damn nice living as a backup quarterback and never have any pressure and never really have to play. It's kind of the best job in the league, isn't it? Everybody wants you if the starter stinks, but if you come in and stink it up, well, you're the backup. Every year the Seahawks would bring him back on a one-year deal. I thought, God, couldn't they do better? Couldn't they bring in a younger quarterback that we might develop? They knew what they were doing. Geno Smith is in command. And he's talented. I heard someone say he didn't have a good enough arm for something a week or two ago. Didn't have enough arm for this or that. He's got plenty of arm for every throw. He's making plays improvisationally. He's making plays within the offense. He's commanding the offense at the line of scrimmage, as, as Pete mentioned, even in adverse conditions on the road. And the one thing we hadn't seen him do is finish. Had the great first half against the Broncos. Didn't generate any offense in the second half. The entire 49er game was a debacle. I, I, I'm, I'm going to chalk that up to a hangover from the Broncos game. Team just came out flat. Didn't show up at, in any aspect. And then last week uh, against Falcons, great in the first half. Three drives without producing a touchdown in the second half. But they were in a shootout today. A couple of times in the second half, Seahawks took two score leads only to see the Lions come back and cut it to one. Geno had to keep answering. And he did. He kept answering. Made big plays on third down. And the thing that was that that really stood out to me in this game, a couple of things. He was pushing the ball down the field. He was looking for opportunities to get the ball down the field. Leads the NFL in completion percentage still after today at 77%. No one's even really that close. And... But he's not doing it with just dink and dunk. He's driving the ball down the field. And in particular, he is getting the ball to DK Metcalf. DK Metcalf was matched up for the most part today with Jeff Okuda. High first-round draft pick. uh, Considered one of the better young corners in the league. And a guy who hadn't given up much this year at all. And DK was asked about him during the week. Talked about this with Chris Perfett on the preview show a few days ago. Where DK was asked about, hey, how do you feel about the fact he hasn't given up any touchdowns? He said, well, he's had he's had a lot of safety help. He hasn't he hasn't done it all on his own. I thought, ooh, DK, careful. No, he's at that point in his career now where he knows that he can go up against anybody. But here's the difference: some of those throws today that he caught, some of those seven catches for 149 yards, he wasn't wide open. Geno Smith is throwing him the football and letting him make plays. And that is something that the former starting quarterback wasn't great at. I'll make one last comparison, and then we'll move on from Russell Wilson 
Well, I think I'll mention him in just a little bit. Uh, Gino, some of the key numbers now uh, through four games this year, 77.3% completions. As I said, his quarterback rating goes up to 108. That's in the top five, I believe, based, you know, depending on what happens tonight and tomorrow. Uh, he's over 1,000 yards now, 1,037 yards, six touchdowns, uh, six touchdowns, two interceptions. Russell Wilson on the season so far through four games. 61.1% completion percentage, 980 yards passing, four touchdowns, one interception. He has not been prolific. And the Broncos are 2-2 two and two after losing to the Raiders today, same as the Seahawks. Oh boy, let's talk about the other side of the ball. And let me just uh, let Pete Carroll tell you what he thought of the defense that gave up 45 points to the Lions today. A Lions team that, by the way, was missing a lot of key players on offense, including their best receiver, Amon St. Brown, and their best running back, one of the better backs in the league in uh, DeAndre Swift. Here's Carroll's thoughts on the defense. On the other side of the ball, we didn't, we didn't do well. We gave up a 10 or 11 uh, explosive plays. And uh, on a day when the offense had 14, we, we, we give up like 10 or something like that. And, and um, there's just too many... Too many chunk yards. I mean, the crazy 80-yard play and, and a couple others that they had. We just have to get those out of our football. And uh, it wasn't a bad day on third down necessarily, but it was just uh, explosives that got to get got to get taken care of. And so uh, we got a lot of work to do still. And uh, we'll see what we can do to, to stop that. Made some personnel changes. Um, Daryl Johnson and Boye Mafe were playing a lot more. Daryl Taylor was on the field less. And then Johnson sprained his ankle. And so Taylor had to play quite a bit. Um, did something impacted some plays a little bit more maybe than he had. Um, but there were still issues and we'll get to those in just a second, but, uh, they allowed Jared Goff to throw for 378 yards and four touchdowns. He was only sacked once, uh, Ochenna Nuosu with the sack, really the only pressure that Goff, Goff didn't have a lot of pressure today at all. It's still an ongoing issue, but the biggest issue for the Seahawks thus far is tackling. And this is Quandre Diggs on that subject. I mean, we just got to get guys down when we get that opportunity. Um, I mean, that's the name of the game, you know. Um, pride yourself on that. You know, that's one of the things that I, I pride myself on is getting guys down before plays get bigger than they're supposed to be. So um, a lot of catch and run opportunities that they had that, you know, we should have got guys down and we didn't. And, um, you know, we just got to work on that. Yeah, they do. And in particular, I'll tell you what, uh, to me, the biggest defense on the biggest weakness on this defense right now is linebacker play. And again, I, I have to say I was wrong. I, I got really defensive over the offseason talking to fans, mostly of other teams, about how terrible the defense was going to be. And I said, look, there's some young some young guys over there that uh, are ascending players that I think that the new scheme is going to get the most out of. And Daryl Taylor is one of them. We talked about him. But the other one was Jordan Brooks. And... Uh, Jordan Brooks hasn't been good. His tackle numbers look fine, but they're not impactful tackles. He's not getting off blocks. And Cody Barton, as much as I really want to... Man, I like that draft pick when they took him out of Utah. I thought he was a player that could really make an impact. He's not good. This team, and they have nowhere else to turn. I don't know... Well, I'll get to that in a second. Specifics. Jordan Brooks had 11 tackles today. Five solo. You might look at the stat sheet and go, well, he was, he was all over the place. Uh, Jamal Williams had a 51-yard touchdown run up the middle today, and it was, to my eye, 100% on Jordan Brooks. He was getting blocked one-on-one in the middle of the field and didn't get off the block. He wasn't swallowed up. He wasn't pancaked. He wasn't eaten up. He wasn't double-teamed. 
He just didn't get off a block. To make a routine play or even affect the play. Didn't even get a hand on Jamal Williams. Oh, it was brutal. And then uh, later in the game, TJ Hawkinson had a massive game. Uh, shoot, I don't have the numbers up here. Uh, I think he had seven or eight catches for 170, 180 yards, two touchdowns. I saw somewhere that in PPR leagues, it was the fourth highest scoring fantasy football game by a tight end in NFL history. Uh, he's always been a talented dude. Came out in the first round, same year as Noah Fant. Um, but he's kind of been underwhelming. Had a huge breakout game today when they needed him most, when they had so many. DJ Chark was out as well. They had so many guys get hurt. Uh, but on that, he had an 81-yard touchdown in the second half. And Cody Barton whiffed so badly on a potential tackle. And it's, I got to find a different words to use. He didn't even whiff on the tackle. He tried to shove him out of bounds with one hand. TJ Hawkinson is what? 6'6", 260 pounds, runs a 4'4". And Cody Cody Barton tried to shove him out of bounds with one hand. Oh, it was a brutal showing. And there, but there's nowhere else to turn. Is Nick Ballore going to play? Um, I don't know what's going on. I know they worked out Joe Schobert last week. Maybe Blake Martinez isn't healthy. Coming off an ACL early in the season for the Giants last year, but over 100 tackles four years in a row with the Packers. I think he's only 27 years old still. Um, I should call Blake Martinez, get him in here for a workout. Um, or look for something in trade. I don't know. It's probably too early in the season to accomplish that. But there's nowhere that they have they have nothing. Um, I tweeted out today, bring back BBK. Uh Ben Burke Kervin, you know, coming off the ACL. They they uh, released him with an injury settlement early this preseason. Maybe that Neil just never bounced back. He's not gonna play. He's not with anyone's practice squad at the moment, but he was a sure tackler. I don't know. There's issues there. And and we're gonna talk about quarterback, obviously, as we go throughout the season as a draft need and something they want to develop. But man, I I think I said last week that uh, the defensive line got pushed around a little bit and they need an impact player there. Uh, they need linebackers. They need a guy in the middle that can impact games the way that uh, Bobby Wagner did or close to it. Jordan Brooks isn't getting it done. Uh, and that was obvious. There were some highlights, though. Not all was bad. They obviously won the football game. But there were some plays in this game as well. First of all, they started the game well, um, forced the Lions to punt. I can't, I, don't, I can't remember if it was exactly a three and out. Maybe it was. But they, they two of the first three drives, I think, they forced them to punt. Started off well. They had them under control. Uh, and then the Lions got rolling. Um, particularly Williams and Hawkinson. But... Uh, the Seahawks forced two turnovers today, and they were huge. They were huge because uh, they turned the ball over once on a Tyler Lockett muffed f- uh, punt. But shortly afterwards, got the ball back on a forced fumble by Kobe Bryant. Uh, he was on his guy, came came around from the outside and punched the ball out. Not easy to do. Uh, Carol talked afterwards about how that's just a talent. That's something Kobe Bryant has a knack for doing. Um, I, th- I still think Brian is adjusting to that slot position, not something he's used to playing. He played the outside at Cincinnati. Um, I'm not sure still that later on in his career, if he ends up back outside again, but choose if he's uh, at his size, if he can become an effective slot corner, that's great. And and it seemed like he was, he was in position a lot more today. And he certainly made a play there. Uh, and then Tariq Woolen, first play of the second half. Tariq Woolen, the rookie, 
out of Texas, San Antonio, 6'4", runs a 4'2". He's freaking nature, but everybody thought he's going to be too raw to play as a rookie. He's a project, right? They took Kobe Bryant before him in the draft. Okay, there's the finished project, the Jim Thorpe Award winner. Then we take Woolen. We'll kind of develop him for the next year or two. Maybe he can be the next Richard Sherman, right? Had only been playing quarterback, cornerback for two years in college. Converted wide receiver. Started from day one. Looks like he belongs. He's shadowing guys. I uh, got beat for a touchdown today, but it, it was just, was it a touchdown or just a long gain or one of those 10 explosive plays? And it was just, uh, it was just a very small correctable thing where he just turned to run with the receiver a little too soon and the receiver undercut him behind him um, to make the play. Uh, but first play of the second half for the Lions, Goff trying to go to Hawkinson. Woolen chases Hawkinson all the way across the field, trays him or trails him, doesn't bait Goff into the throw, but he stays in position the whole time. Uh, and Goff makes the throw and underestimates Woolen's speed. Woolen picks it off for a pick six, 40 yard pick six. Uh, Quandre Diggs had uh, some cool things to say about Woolen and maybe in the process dubbed him with a new nickname. Here's Quandre on Tariq Woolen, the rookie. I mean, for him, you know, that's he's special. I mean, he's six four and runs a four two. I mean, he's he's a cheat code. So um, he's one of those guys that like you got to step on him, a step or two on him, and he's never beat until he's beat. So I mean, that's that's special. That's that's um, he should thank God for that. Sounds like a nickname to me, right? Is uh, Tariq Woolen the cheat code? Is that what we're gonna call him? I kind of like it. I uh, ran a Twitter poll today. Seahawks two and two as the season uh, gets underway. And uh, depending on what happens in the NFC West, obviously the Rams and 49ers play tomorrow, Monday night football. And if the 49ers find a way to win, uh, everyone in the NFC West will be two and two. If the Rams win, they'll be three and one, but then the, uh, the Seahawks and the Arizona Cardinals uh, will be tied behind them at two and two. Uh, so Seahawks are right there. They play New Orleans next week. Saints just lost their third straight game today. Lost to Minnesota in an overseas game to drop to one and three. They're in last place in the NFC South. Andy Dalton is starting at quarterback right now. Don't know uh, Jameis Winston's uh, availability for next week. They played without Alvin Kamara. Michael Thomas is hurt again. They've got some injury issues. Um, and this will be a game in New Orleans, another 10 a.m. start. Uh, with the Seahawks hanging right in there after four games in the NFC West. So I asked you, the Twitter the Twitter sphere. Do you feel any differently after four games? And I ran a quick poll, got a great response to it in an hour. 485 of you voted. And I asked this, um, now after four games, what you've seen, how many games do you think the Seahawks will win? And here were the choices. Between four and seven, eight, nine, or 10 plus. 64% of you said between four and seven. 27% thought that they would win eight games. 8% think the Seahawks will win nine games. And less than 2% think they'll win 10 plus. Uh, some of the comments, I had them at five and 12 before the season. Now I have them at seven and 10. That's from at BK Broiler 99205. Just at Just Do It Seahawk says if the defense was any good, they could win 10. Uh, at pros underscore Edda, E-D-D-A, uh, same as before, but more than the Broncos. <laughs> uh, someone else said, same as I thought, 
uh, at the beginning of the season, seven and ten. And then uh, at Jay Gooley says, same amount, but for different reasons. Um, probably tied to Geno Smith. So here we go. Seahawks are two and two. They play at the 49ers, uh, not the 49ers, the New Orleans Saints next week. Uh, with a chance to get back uh, back into the win column and move to three and two against a struggling Saints team and an NFC West team that looks, you know, the Rams still probably considered the class of the league with that defense and some of the weapons they have on offense. We'll see how that game goes tomorrow. Um, this is going to be an interesting year. I've got some really cool guests lined up over the next couple of weeks, including a big surprise that I'm not going to unveil till the time comes, and we'll look at the kind of look at the the third of the season, do a full recap after week five. So uh, kind of keep your eye out for this. Um, stay tuned for Dana's show midweek this week, and then I will preview the Saints game later this week as well. And the way that you know when we have new episodes is you subscribe. Whatever podcast platform you use, hit subscribe, hit like. Um, it helps drive positioning in the podcast. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review because that really helps out as well. Thanks for listening. Again, the Seahawks moved to tune two with a 48-45 win over the Lions. Um, until next week, go Hawks. I am Dan Vians. Thank you for listening to the Field Goals podcast. Please read fieldgoals.com for uh, all of the best coverage of your Seattle Seahawks. Talk to you soon. Hold up. 